0: aren't the stories your mother told you no these are the other stories
1: <laughs> the amazing kishlovsky written by luke condor and narrated by persephone rose "'You can't fit in the fucking box anyway, Ken!' Kishlovsky balked at the insult. He took a deep breath, reminded himself that he couldn't lose his cool. After all, a trait such as patience was one of the many foundations of a contortionist, the ability to do splits being another. "'Mr. Fandango, I can do it! I've been working on my enterology and I'm almost there! Please!' "'I don't even know what entotology means, Ken!' Kenneth Kieślowski sighed. He once held this man in such high regard. Here was the man who brought the magic of the circus to this little old seaside town in the northeast of England. Mr. Fandango and his world of wonder. And oh, what a wonder it had been. This place, a permanent fixture since 1888, had once been rammed with punters from across the country, come to see the magicians, the trapeze artists, the tightrope walkers, the musicians, the jugglers, and even Kishlovsky, the contortionist. For years, the audience had watched as Ken folded himself over like a sheet of paper, bending into little balls, poking his face from between his legs, smiling and winking at the audience, an audience there used to be of many, an audience... Now a few. Kishlovsky looked over at Mr. Fandango, sitting behind his old desk, going through his measly piles of ticket receipts for the last month's shows. This fat slob was once handsome and enchanting. He'd had a way of charming people into rapturous applause as he twiddled his waxed moustache and doffed his top hat. He was a man who used to appreciate the craft, but not anymore. No. He barely left his trailer these days. His lethargy had grown his belly, given him horrid, dangly bits of skin under his neck. Eyes seemed forever sore. His mustache now shaved, and the top hat now kept in storage, revealing the flattened, greasy tangles of the man's hair pressed over his tiny, bald scalp. Mr. Fandango reached over to his decanter of clear gin, poured out an unhealthy slosh into two painted porcelain mugs and handed one to Ken. And Mr. Fandango, is the art of squeezing one's body into a contained space. Ken sniffed up a whiff of the gin. He shuddered. I'm not actually called Mr. Fandango. You do realize that, don't you? "'Sure I do, Jeffrey, but—' "'And you never could fit in the fucking box, "'so don't come to me with your art of squeezing into tight spaces, Ken. "'Your art is squeezing nearly fifteen years of work out of your ability to bend over really good.' Kishlovsky scoffed. "'It's a little more than just bending—' "'And will you put a fucking shirt on? "'It's too late and cold to be walking with your nipples on show. "'You'll freeze to death, man.' "'Ken shivered, hugged himself with his free hand—' he just performed his last show and was still in his performance pants and nothing else. A full hour show to no one, although he could hardly be blamed for the lack of an audience. After all, there'd been little to no advertisement. On the top of that, there were no other attractions other than himself. Everyone else had taken to the road, turned themselves into something of a traveling show, Only two days ago they'd left, singing songs of the future, leaving little but the stink of animals and fire breathers in the air. But Ken had decided to stay, had held his grounds to the very end. I can too fit in a box, he muttered as he sipped his gin, trying and failing to hold back his gag reflex. Mr. Fandango, real name Jeffrey Faraday, drank down his gin in one gulp. He stood up, walked over to his wardrobe, picked out a long, dark overcoat, the same he'd worn during his ringmaster days. He walked over to Ken, wrapped it around him, and patted him sweetly on the shoulders. I always did like you, Ken, but times are changing. This isn't the world for us anymore. Mr. Fandango's world of wonders has to die for something new to live. Something new? Come on, let me show you. Jeffrey scooped up the decanter of gin, ...and led Kenneth out of his trailer... ...down onto the main square of land. Already it had changed so much. Nearly half of the old stages and performance areas... ...had been flattened. The scraps of wood piled high at the very center... ...ready for burning. Even the wrought iron gates... The same gates that Ken had marveled at all those years ago, the ones that spelled World of Wonders right there in the arcs and loops of blackened metal, had been torn down, ready to be replaced by whatever came next. Jeff popped open the decanter, took a good long swig of gin, and walked on, stepping carefully over what was once the stage for the incredible ballet gals. Oh, they sang such sweet melodies, those gals what Ken would give to grab a cone of buttered popcorn and watch them from the aisles once more, bathing in their harmonies and the audience's applause. "'Come on, Mr. Bendy, it's freezing!' Jeff had told all of them many times how he wanted to get everything cleared out for the spring, get the new amusement park up and running for the summer of 1901. "'That'll be the summer we start anew,' he'd said. "'That'll be the year I make some money for a change.' There'd been complaints, of course, but not many. Most had expected it. Some had already left. Harrius the Clown went two years ago, said how he was tired of diving into cream pies for nothing. He'd left with a small bag and his clown shoes hanging by the laces over his shoulders. Apparently, he was in Portsmouth now, running a chippy. And even back then, Ken had felt that whisper of change making his pulse race and his soul hurt. He followed Mr. Faraday past the spot where the grandstand seats had stood and pointed to a large square of dirt. Ken looked at the dirt first, before scanning around the large empty field. There was nothing here now. No people, no axe, no audience. Just the sound of the nighttime animals and a lonely little wheelbarrow sat on its edge, filled with tools ready for construction. Here! Jeffrey said, drinking another guzzle of gin, sawing away the spillage with his arm. Here will be the first of the steam-powered carousels. It'll spin around and around and play music, and all the little kiddies will pay a penny for the privilege. Well, their parents will. And I'll have no axe to pay and house to treat for burns and broken bones. And the great thing is, the kids will want to go again. And they'll pay again or their parents will, and I still won't have any acts complaining of bad backs and long hours. I don't understand, Kishlovsky said. Of course you don't, Ken, because you don't see the future. You're so stuck in the now, so fixed on keeping everything the same. First, there will be the carousel. And the next year, there will be one of those new roly, coasty rides. And then, there will be the next thing, and the next thing. Where Mr. Fandango's world of wonders once sat, there will stand Fandango Land, the first great British amusement park. No axe? Jeff chuckled. Some, not many. And what about me? You're welcome to stay. I'll need someone to maintain the ride, after all. What? Like a maintenance man? Kislovsky's cheeks grew warm. His pulse was ramping up now, his hands pressing into tight little balls. And why not? Because I'm a contortionist. Jeff pressed his hand to his mouth in frustration, whined as he spoke. You can't even fit in a fucking box, Ken. I can. Here, Jeffrey, oh, the great Mr. Fandango himself, began to chuckle. Low and throaty at first, but it built, rolling over itself into a hoarse, wheezy guffaw. Ken did nothing but bear it. Take it in. <laughs> You're a fool, Ken. Always been one. I can't tooth in a box, Kishlowski muttered. A beat passed between them, the anger melting away as quickly as it had come. You really won't go, will you? The starlight glimmered in Jeffrey's eyes. He was drunk now. Very drunk. His pupils were wide and wet, and his cheeks had turned a ruddy red. I can't, Ken said. Okay, I will make you a deal. Prove to me that you can fit in the box. Do the enter... enter... enterology. Yeah, whatever. Prove to me that you can fit into it, and we'll see about giving you a little stage out front. A little warm-up act for the real attractions. What? Really? Sure, why the fuck not? I'm feeling fucking agreeable, to be honest. Ken Kishlovsky felt his hands shaking with excitement. This was it. He could do it. He'd been practicing, stretching. Wait here, he said, running and jumping over the scraps of wood, leaving Jeff to his drinking and out-of-tune singing in the dark. Be quick about it. Hurry your ass up. Ken raced back to his trailer, walked straight into the back, pulled out the glass cube. He'd only cleaned it the other day, somehow knowing that he would need to use it. Not that he had ever successfully used it before. If it wasn't for his wide shoulders, he'd be fine, but these glass cubes were really bloody small. Each now or never, he said to himself, time for the great contortionist, the amazing Kislovsky. It was heavy, the cube. It took him a good twenty minutes to lug it all the way back to Geoffrey, who was now staring at the night sky, humming along to himself. ''Mr. Fandango,'' Ken said, placing the cube on the patch of dirt where the carousel would eventually go. ''Right, right,'' Geoffrey said a little more somberly. ''Let's get on with it, then!'' Ken smiled, whipped open the padlock, opened up the cube. ''My coat, Ken!'' ''Yes, yes!'' Ken took off the coat, folded it over, and handed it to Jeffrey, who looked sad now, like he was on the verge of tears. Good luck, Ken. Jeffrey smiled, and Ken began. He placed his feet inside the cube, then crouched down until his ass touched the bottom. The glass panels were cold against his naked skin. Next, he tucked his arms under the inside of his knees, locking them in, and then came the hard part. He exhaled and ducked his head. Here was where he'd never managed it before. He would tuck his head down between his legs, but it would never be enough. The back of his head would never be low enough to close the cube fully. Come on, Ken, he thought to himself. This is your moment. This is your art. He pushed and pushed, trying to keep his breathing steady, feeling the weight of his future, of the art of the contortionist resting on his shoulders. But no... His shoulders were simply too wide. His head would not duck down far enough. The glass lid of the box was still a half inch from closing. Slowly, the defeat crept up on him. He felt like crying was about to until... Amazing, Jeffrey said. You're so, so close. I think if you just... Jeffrey crouched down by the box, pressed his hands to the top of the lid. A little help and I think you can do it, Ken. Ken. He pressed down, and at first, it wasn't working, but something slipped inside Ken's body. It popped inside him, like the bottom row of ribs had pushed against one another so hard they'd somehow slipped into a new open pocket within his gut. Pain shot through his body, but the lid was closed. Ken breathed. Thought small thoughts embraced his win. "'Oh my god!' Jeffrey said. "'You fucking did it, Ken!' You fit in the fucking box! I know, Ken said, as if it was just another day at the office, slowly lifting his head. It's all part of my contortion... Hey, what the... Something heavy was pressing down onto the lid. He couldn't move it. It was stuck, frozen somehow. It really was amazing, Ken. Great show! Jeffrey crouched down, the stink of old tobacco and gin filling the cube as the man waggled something metal above Ken's head. The padlock, key. Ken must have handed the padlock over with the coat. You're a good kid. I always did like you, but times move on, Ken. We are but the foundations for what's to come. Mr. Fandango walked over to the wheelbarrow, scooped out a shovel, and began to dig. Ken Kishlovsky screamed and pushed against the lid, but it didn't move. He was stuck there, rattling against the lid, folded into a neat little ball, screaming, please, please, to the man he once saw as a father figure, screaming until his voice failed him and he tasted blood at the back of his throat. And all Mr. Fandango could do was laugh and drink and sing Ballygal songs as he dug out a big hole in the ground. Ken saw the last light he'd ever see as the cube fell into the hole. The sun was rising. Ken focused on it said his goodbyes as Mr. Fandango shoveled the dirt on top, patted it down tight and proper. There would be a week of nothing before the builders would arrive. They would come with their concrete. They would come to build the future. Fandango Land. A new theme park buried over the foundations of what went before, over the amazing Kishlovsky, the
0: Contortionist. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Amazing Kizlovsky was written by Luke Condor, narrated by Persephone Rose, edited by Carl Hughes, produced by Nikolai Hyde. Last Music and Tom Robson. Do you like to read but find the whole thing a little bit lonely? Well, why not come and join the Hawk and Cleaver Book Club? We've just finished our book for February, which is Nick Cutter's Little Heaven, and we're about to start voting for our book for March. So if you'd like to get involved, pop over to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash walk and cleaver and join in on the reading fund we've been nominated for the best fiction podcast over at thisishorror.co.uk we were nominated last year and we came in second place so we really want to know if this year we can take home the gold so if you enjoyed the show at any point we would love for you to show your support by heading over to www.thisishorror.co.uk forward slash awards and following the instructions there once again that's horror co.uk/awards. Until next time.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus.